Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Uh, All right, you ready to roll? Let's roll. (laughs) I got to make sure I check my hair and makeup before we get started. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Blumberg on the Rider Flex podcast. How's it going, Matt? Good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing fine. You're uh, so did you grow up in San Diego? Is that right? I saw San Diego High School, right? I did. No, not San Diego High School, but um, I did grow up in San Diego. I still think of myself as uh, Southern Californian. Okay, but you're in New York now. I mean, I saw that. I, yeah, I said San Diego High School, but I guess I, yeah, I meant to say went to school, high school in went San to high school Diego. in San Diego. Yeah. So is that, is that is that where you grew up then? Yeah, you grew I did. Your, your family was from Southern California. Yeah, yeah. My parents are still in San Diego. It's a uh, it's a great place to uh, it's a great place to be, great place to visit, great place to live. Wow, but your speed, your 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 speed of uh, 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 the way you talk, you sound like a New Yorker. You sound like an East Coast guy. You don't sound like a California kid. You know, I'm a mix. I, you know, I, I, uh, uh, I, I've been telling the way I've been phrasing it is I'm on year 30 of my two year plan to try out the East coast. Um, and, uh, so I've been here for a long time, but there's, there's a lot of California in me. Uh, you know, most, most people who know me well say I'm pretty, pretty relaxed about things. So it's a mix. Okay. So what what'd your folks do? Um, my dad was uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, he was a tech entrepreneur in the 80s okay. Uh, okay. and uh, built and ran a very different kind of company, hardware-oriented company. Uh, and uh, before that was in venture capital. So a um, lot, uh, lot of common there, common ground there with me and my career. And uh, wow. uh, okay. he's, still, okay. he's still, he's great. He's 79 and he is, uh, I think he's, he's the executive chairman of three startups right now. He's teaching um, you know, a bunch of first-time founders how to be CEOs. So, uh, he wow, is, the uh, apple, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So that's where uh, you got the bug. All, huh? Not at all. Yeah. Uh, what'd your mom do? My mom was a great mom. Okay. She all was right. a school teacher before I came along and did some real estate along the way, did a little interior design along the way, but, uh, mostly had two boys and, uh, had her hands full with that. Mm, are you the oldest? <laughs> I am. Yeah. I have a brother who's 10 years younger. What does he do? He actually works in uh, digital marketing, uh, internet marketing as well. He's at uh, a, a big um, uh, business publishing company now called Walters Kluwer, uh, and uh, has been uh, you know a bunch of bunch of interesting companies over the years. So he and I can talk shop anytime too. Have you ever done anything together? Not really. He uh, he interned at Return Path, my my last company, uh, like one summer or one semester when he wow. was in college, and. Uh, uh, I, I generally think it's like, it's not, not super healthy to have, you know, like a spouse or a sibling or a kid working, working in the business with you. Uh, yes. so, uh, I've never, never done anything much more than that. How about your dad? You and, you and your dad do anything together, any investments together, any startups together? Not really. We advise each other all the time on uh, the different things we're working on, but, uh, uh, never been in business together. So he wasn't an investor in Path Forward or anything you've done? In the yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like angel angel investor. Absolutely. Okay. Sure. But uh, um, okay. and then you paid him off right away so you could get him out of your hair or what? <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Mom, dad still married? Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. And they still live in. Well, OK, now, how does a San Diego boy go to Princeton? Like, how'd you pick that? Like, that's a Jersey school. Like, that's it seems so, you know, what? what talk to me. <laughs> It's a good school. Uh, it's a, well, it's a no very, doubt about that. Good school. So, <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I wanted to come back east. I wanted a different experience, and I got into some great schools on the west coast too. But uh, um, really wanted to uh, wanted to see a different part of the country, and you know, kind of kind of do a different thing for a while. And uh, you know, Princeton's a, a remarkable school. Um, a lot of, a lot of people who knew it well said they they thought it was a really good fit for me, and. 
Um, and it turned out that it was, I had a phenomenal, phenomenal four years there. And it's still a really important part of, uh, um, you know, of, of, of my life. I've done a lot of volunteer work as an alum uh, around mm. fundraising and mm. uh, alumni council kind of things and class officer kind of things. Um, so I'm still, still very connected there. Okay. And did you, what were you going to do with this urban planning degree? What, what, what was the, what was your, what was the early plan for, for same Matt? thing? I, same thing I would have done with an English degree or an economics degree or any other degree <laughs> uh, was going to business. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, liberal arts education is about learning something that you love and learning how to think and learning how to write and mm. uh, more than anything else. So uh, I loved urban planning. It was an interesting mix of, of civil engineering and public policy. And uh, civil engineering was uh, an architecture where things I was thinking about majoring in. I love the concept of building things, right, and okay. and being creative. Okay. And that obviously is a lot like entrepreneurship. And I've always been kind of a you know politics junkie. So uh, that was an, an interesting um, interesting way to combine those into a major. Now, do you have any fun stories for us? Like, what's the worst trouble you got in? I mean, anything fun? Did you ever get arrested? You ever been in jail? Did you ever like get kicked out of the dorms? I don't know. Something fun. Give us something. <laughs> uh, never been in jail. Uh, hope to keep that streak going. Um, uh, never been arrested, but close. I did get brought home one night by by the cops when I was a teenager. Um, that was not a high point. <laughs> um, waking up, waking up the parents at, at two in the morning, uh, mm. to, um, have a conversation with an officer <laughs> in the front hallway. Uh, but, uh, nothing, nothing too serious. I think in, in retrospect, that was principally to, uh, to scare me. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> Uh, did you, did you have to have a job while you were at Princeton? Did you work a little bit part-time, uh, what, or it was just, just um, heads down school most of the time? It was a lot of school and a lot of, you know, kind of extracurriculars at school. Um, I had a job at least one semester. I had a student job, uh, running the mail room for my, my dorm. Okay. Um, and, uh, um, but, uh, you know, otherwise it was, it was, it was a lot of schoolwork, um, some, was some it, extracurriculars and a lot of fun. So was it, was it co-ed or did, was it guys and girls separate? No, Princeton was Princeton went co-ed in like 1970 or something. Oh, oh it did. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, I was going to yeah. ask if you were sneaking girls in the dorm and stuff like that, but <laughs> right, are you married kids? How about what's the family life like? I right am. Now? I am. I am married to, uh, an absolutely uh, spectacular woman, uh, whose name is Marikita. And uh, she and I um, actually uh, sort of worked together at a couple different companies, which is, uh, which is how we met and got to know each other. Okay. Uh, she's now um, an executive coach, a CEO coach, basically. Oh, and um, well, that works uh, well. It works exceptionally well. Uh, she's never been my coach, which uh, is probably not a great idea. But <laughs> oh, she's uh, your coach. Oh, she's yeah. your coach. She just this yeah, is she not is, official. She, she is my coach. It's just not <laughs> exactly so. But it is. It is actually uh, great to be able to have um, you know have a, a a partner that you can you can talk shop with in both directions and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and she's she's fantastic. And then we have. Uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, does she run her business to a separate LLC or runs through through Bolster? Um, she, I don't know if she's found a client yet through Bolster. She is, she is in Bolster. Um, I see. I see. Uh, as as is my dad, actually. Uh, oh. But uh, she is, um, uh, you know, she has a handful of clients, and she, she like all like all kind of independent contractors, she she finds clients in lots of different ways. So. Okay, cool. You were going to say something about your kids, I think. Well, I was going to say, yeah, we have three uh, terrific kids who are 12, 13, and 14. Ooh, um, whoa, so okay, yeah, okay. It's, had, it's, uh, it's going to be busy and exciting around your house the next few years. Yeah, it has been for the last 12 years. <laughs> um, and uh, they're they're fantastic. They're uh, going into 7th, 9th, and 10th grades. And wow. uh, we have a lot of fun, a lot of fun with them and a lot of fun together as a family. And um, they're, uh, they're, they're turning into great, great humans. Any, any, uh, any, uh, knocks at the door, any late knocks, knocks at the door yet? For, for... No, no, uh, no one has come <laughs> home in handcuffs yet. So, and, and, uh, also hoping to keep that streak alive. Is the 10, is the 10th grader driving? No, not yet. No, she's still four, 14, almost 15. So I'll, okay. I'll probably this next year, we'll start to teach her how to drive. Okay, very good. Sounds like a wonderful family. I see all the photos back there. So you're obviously very proud of your family, the family man. Absolutely. 
is that that's all you're officing out of your house today, I'm assuming. Yeah, this is, you know, we, we started Bolster in uh, April of 2020. So we've never had an office. Uh, so gotcha. I have I have literally been sitting in this chair with a, a couple of small exceptions uh, for uh, 16 months building a startup. How about that? Okay, I love that. We're going to get into that a little bit. But before we go there, let's, let's talk about your early career. I want to, you know, before we get into Bolster, walk me through, you know, you come out of college, are you, do you know what you want? I guess you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur because that bug was in there, right? From your dad, but, but yeah. walk me through some of your early career a little bit. Yeah. I, I wanted to shoot for that, but, um, uh, but I didn't want to start with that. And, you know, the conventional okay. wisdom at the time was unless you're Bill Gates, you don't start a business out of the dorm room, right? <laughs> you, you learn how to, you learn something, you learn how to be in business first. And, uh, you, and then you, you find your way to that later. Um, now I think that's gone. Um, <laughs> I think there are uh, plenty of plenty of dorm room startups and graduates who right. start companies. But um, uh, I worked in uh, management consulting at a firm um, uh, for many years was known as Mercer Management Consulting. It's now uh, called Oliver Wyman. It was uh, uh, merged with a whole bunch of, of firms after I left. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, sort of a, um, a very good management consulting firm, probably call it a second tier firm, right, under the McKinsey and BCG uh, and, and Bain uh, but pretty pretty close uh, to them in terms of the kind okay. of work, and I always I always say it's the kind of job where I, I probably should have paid them for the job. I, it was nothing but learning for for the couple of years I was there. Mm. Um, you know, you get exposure to a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different um, business problems. You learn how to create presentations. You learn how to speak. You learn how to do a whole bunch of quantitative uh, analytics. Um, it was, you know, just a great, great sort of almost like business 101 um, type of job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And then what, you, then you got bored or what, what happened? Yeah. Well then, you know, that, that was not, I was not going to be a partner at that firm. Uh, you know, that was a good sort of couple year job in, in at the time I was thinking, Oh, well, I'll do that. And then go to business school. Um, and then um, I got recruited by a venture capital firm uh, to uh, join them as a, um, uh, an associate, kind of a junior level associate. Uh, the firm was General Atlantic Partners, which um, has gone on now to be one of the largest private equity investors in the world. But at the time, it was sort of a classic down the middle uh, venture capital firm that was doing software investments. And um, <clears throat> this is 1994 that I joined them. Um, and um, while I was there was when sort of the commercial internet came into being. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, I was fortunate enough to see that a little bit from the investor side, the company did investments in, um, in two companies that are still around Priceline and E-Trade uh, while I was there. And I got some um, opportunity to work on some diligence around those and, you know, sort of try to get my head around what the internet was. And um, after uh, a couple of years there, um, I moved on, I decided I wanted to transition into an operating role um, you know, being on the venture capital side, uh, I've spent a lot of time seeing CEOs in action and meeting some CEOs. And I just kept coming away from those meetings thinking like, all right, I'd, like, I'd rather be that guy than, you know, than the associate at a, at a VC. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the partner that I worked for at General Atlantic introduced me to a bunch of CEOs. Some were in the GA portfolio and some were not. Um, and the, the, the only job you're sort of qualified to do if you've been a management consultant or an investor is like special projects guy. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I got hired uh, uh, by the CEO of this company called Movie Phone, um, which uh, you may remember. Uh, I do. From, I know, do. Sort of back in the day, uh, Movie mm -hmm. Phone was um, an interactive telephone company before the internet, uh, before the commercial internet uh, came into being. That's right. Um, and I joined them after they were already, you know, many years uh, up and running and the uh, company had actually just gone public. And I joined as the CEO special projects guy. Um, and ended up being there for five years and really um, helped the company start their internet presence uh, and um, uh, and was in charge of that for the company on the on the senior team there uh, through the company's uh, you know sort of growth and then sale of the business to AOL which again mm -hmm. if you wind the clock back to 1999 AOL was the you know like the right. company uh, in right. the space. Did you score on equity? Did you have equity? Did you score on that deal personally? Or I no? did okay. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a founder, but um, they they okay. treated me very well and okay. um, you know, made right. made some, made some money off that and and had uh, just had a great a great experience. I mean, I you know, I sort of woke up one one day when I was twenty five years old or twenty four maybe even and uh, uh, and I was running like a top fifty web property. And, and I, I'm not even sure at the time any, I knew 
what that meant um, <laughs> or, or what that was going to be um, because the internet was so early. And, right. Uh, right. Um, but it was just a great experience of building a business from scratch, just doing it inside of another company with, um, you know, the pluses and the minuses that, that come with that. Yeah. So AOL purchases movie phone and then what you, you, you exit, you take a little package or what happens? Um, yep. I left shortly uh, after the acquisition. Um, <clears throat> AOL was, um, was very insistent that um, everybody sign a very stringent three-year non-compete in order to, wow. in mm. order to stay at the company. Um, and um, I had no intent of competing with movie phone uh, if I left, but the non-compete basically precluded you from working in the internet. Um, oh, wow. And um, okay. I, I probably would have stayed for a year or two just to have that experience and see what bigger mm -hmm. company environment was like and, and, yep. you know, transition the, the product that I was running into a bigger company, but I wasn't going to sign that, um, that non-compete. So I said, okay, this is the time I'll go. This is the time for me to go start something. Okay. And that, that was the moment where you're like, okay, I want to start my own thing. All right. Sounds good. Very good. And you had a little cash cause you made a little money there. So it was a good timing. Yeah. And, yeah. and all right. All right. And is that what, is that when, um, path forward or what, what did you start first? I'm sorry. That what was re return path. Return path. Okay. Yeah. Return path. Sorry. 1999 return path. Yes. So talk to me about return path. Give us the, give us a, a little overview there. How did it start? Who were there other co-founders? I know you had it for almost what, 20 years, I think. Yeah. Just about 20 years uh, from beginning to, to uh, the ultimate exit. And um, uh, I had uh, uh, one co-founder um, uh, at the time, Jack Sinclair, who was one of my co-founders here at Bolster as well. Okay. Um, and um the the uh, the original idea of return path ended up uh, you know sort of morphing over time into uh, into a couple of other related things but but um, very thematically consistent and the the idea was that you know and again you got to wind your brain back to 1999 um, email was already a very powerful um, customer communication channel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the the uh, commercial infrastructure around email was uh, was still very underdeveloped. So um, there were a lot of platforms out there um, that that would let you send email, and and most of those still exist today, although most of them have like been acquired and might have different names. Um, and uh, but but there were lots of ways to send email, um, but there were still a lot of gaps and a lot of things that people hadn't figured out yet. And um, we knew about uh, about those gaps from the experience that that I'd had at Movie Phone because email was a significant part of the um, the mix for us there. Um, so we started Return Path as a, um, a as a company to help um, you know help marketers and publishers who use email as a customer communication tool um, do a better job with it. Make sure, for example, that their um, email database, their customer email addresses, stayed current okay. uh, as people okay. you know changed email addresses and email addresses bounced. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, help them monitor their emails. So you send out a bunch of emails and you don't necessarily know what happens to them. You only know a tiny bit about what happens. Like, you know, the 1% of people that click and you know, the 1% of people that bounce, but you don't necessarily know like who opens it and where does it get filtered or blocked. And so we had an analytics package around that. Um, and ultimately we built, um, uh, also a pretty significant business called certification, which was helping, um, uh, ISPs and spam filters make smarter decisions about what to filter, uh, so they weren't uh, they wouldn't make mistakes with filtering and they keep bad stuff out without without also cutting out good stuff. Now was uh, Jack a coder? Was Jack a, a developer, a software engineer? No, no. He and I were both. We're neither one of us is a technical. Uh, right. I mean, both both of us know a lot about technology. Um, he he more than I, but um, uh, you know we we had to. Um, mm. hire, a, hire a tech team at Return Path. Uh, right. Bolster, at Bolster, one of our co-founders is Sean Nussbaum, who um, was our CTO and chief product officer at Return Path. So we have a technical co-founder now. Mm, that helped, right? Okay. All right. So um, you guys build up. How, how big did you get Return Path? And talk to us about the exit really quick. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at the end, Return Path was doing about 100 million in revenue. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was a it was a nice nice uh, scaled business. Um, we were very global. About forty percent of the revenue was outside the U.S. and we had, I think, uh, twelve offices around the world. Uh, nice. And nice. Um, uh, and business was profitable. Uh, and um, you know, we we um, we felt really good about uh, about the work we had done there, and um, a lot of opportunities to. Uh, 
to uh, exit uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of the, it was the right time as we were approaching the, the 20 year mark. Uh, so uh, we sold the business to a company called Validity, uh, which uh, uh, itself was a relatively new company, but it was a very well financed uh, by private equity uh, uh, company and an experienced operating team uh, that uh, was uh, trying to orchestrate a roll up in the data, marketing data and technology space. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had done a couple of smaller acquisitions and um, really uh, liked what we were doing and loved the footprint that we had built in terms of, I think we had 4,000 customers or something at the end okay. uh, and had um, you know very good data footprint, uh, very good reputation and brand in the marketplace. And um, they uh, uh, proved to be a good owner for the business. So we sold the company in uh, the middle of 2019. And uh, good for you. Uh, good timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was good, good timing, um, and uh, you know, and, and good opportunity to transition out and think about new things. When you exited, uh, I don't know how much you want to share. Were you and Jack fifty fifty, or had you taken on a bunch of other cash? You had a bunch of oh. people on the cap, cap cap table, or oh yeah, we we had raised uh, oh okay, you know, okay. north of a hundred million dollars for the business oh, okay. over the year. Okay. So it was okay. uh, um, you know, lot 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 of a uh, lot of great investors on the cap table. Um, a lot of them are with us at our new company too. So, but you still owned enough to where it was good payday for 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 you and for Matt and his family. I hope. Um, it was it was absolutely. Uh, Fine, no complaints at all, uh, and uh, um, good, good long, uh, good long build. Do you wish you would have kept more ownership? Do you Absolutely. wish you hadn't given away so much? Okay, now, tell me an entrepreneur that says no to that question. <laughs> How do I raise a hundred million dollars and not give up control and a bunch of equity? Yeah, let's talk about that. How do you do that? That's another book. That's your next book, Matt. Yeah, right. Sounds sounds good. <laughs> okay. So, so you exit, was there a two-year ride along? Did you have to, did you have to move along with them? Did they make, nope. Nope, none of that? No, okay. they, they had a, they had a full management team, really experienced CEO named Mark Briggs, uh, who, uh, you know, developed a re- really good relationship with over the course of the transaction. And he had a, okay. he was a fully staffed team looking to do a roll up and, um, the, he kept a few people from our senior leadership team, but they, they didn't need all of us. And, um, you know, quite honestly, after after 20 years of, of uh, you know, doing the same job, even though it even though it grew and changed uh, a bit over the years, it was it was time to go do something else. Did you take some time off? Did you go on vacation? Did you travel around the world or did you immediately call your call or did you immediately contact everybody you loved the best at Return Path and said, hey, come on, let's go start something else? <laughs> Yeah, I took a little bit of time off, but not very much. Uh, and uh, in retrospect, probably not as much as I should have. And um, Bolster has eight co-founders, all from the senior team at Return. All Pound. from the senior team. Now, <coughs> so, there wasn't you, they didn't have any kind of restrictions on you. They didn't have any kind of like non. They were no, none of us. None of us were still there. Um, we had we had this particular group had all left. I see. Okay. All right. Very uh, good. And uh, we very much wanted to continue working together. Um, and uh, you know, spent a little time trying to think about what we wanted to start and um, various things like that. And eight, uh, eight. so there's, going. so t- how many co-founders are there? In there are eight, eight of us, you know, and I'm guessing there's even more than that, that actually work for the company that came from return path in total. How many people we do have, have, we do have some other, um, uh, other colleagues that came from return path. I don't, I don't actually know the exact number. The, the company is tw- 23, 24 people, and it's probably 15 or 16. That, half. Uh, yeah, probably something like that. Maybe a little more. I mean, that speaks volumes. If we can just take a little pause right there. I mean, hey, you grew up, you grew a company, you had a company for 20 years, you grew it to hundred million dollars. You had a successful exit. That is a Super Bowl moment for you. Obviously, that is a major victory for you. But the fact that you had that many people that enjoyed working with you to come and start something else, that speaks volumes, I think, to your people skills, your leadership your ability to maintain relationships. I mean, that is also, I think, a huge win. I know it's not a money win. It's not a financial win, but but man, just to have that many people say, yes, Matt, we want to continue and let's do something else together. That's that's huge. Congratulations on that. Well, thanks. I mean, the, the big win in my mind is that is that I get to work with them. Uh, right. And, um, yeah. you know, it was, it was one of the things that I was um, really wrestling with as I was thinking about what to do next uh, after Return Path that um, you know, part of me wanted to go, um, you know, try running a bigger company and sort of get hired mm. in to run a bigger company. Really? Um, okay. And, um, uh, you know, ultimately, I decided that the, the most important thing to me about what I did next was working with the people that I wanted to work with. That's cool. And um, yeah, very good. And uh, th- th- there's, I, th- I think, nothing more important than life. 
So, so what'd you do? Would you like meet at a Buffalo Wild Wings and have some beers and draw it up on a napkin? Or what'd you do? Talk to me. <laughs> uh, not quite. Although, although I think there were some wings involved at some point, there were definitely <laughs> some cocktails involved at some point, you know, we, uh, we um, were thinking about lots of different things that we could do. And, um, you know, uh, different people on the team were doing some different kind of consulting things uh, mm-hmm. on the side, actually, um, a lot of us were doing some interim or fractional executive work, which is uh, ended up being related to what we did at Bolster. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, we we had a couple of offsites, uh, you know, uh, one that that was uh, you know at my in my uh, backyard, and uh, one at uh, Jack's mm-hmm. place, and um, uh, really spent some time uh, you know thinking about different problems we wanted to solve, different spaces we wanted to be in, um, and th- there were a couple of things that really got us um, excited. Um, uh, you know, as kind of themes. One was doing something in and around the startup ecosystem. Okay. Um, all, all of us had had the experience, not only of being um, startup executives, but of mentoring first time uh, and younger startup executives. And, um, you know, really enjoyed that work and felt like there was a lot of opportunity to, uh, to do things to help make startups work better. Mm. We also had as a team um, and kind of culturally at Return Path, a huge amount of um, energy and excitement around uh, anything to do with people and culture and values and uh, scaling people, scaling organizations, um, and and really kind of um, perfecting the craft of leadership development. So we had a, business, a few different business plans that all touched on different aspects of of, um, of those things. Okay, and um, uh, they all sort of came together uh, in in this um, you know this great. Uh, meeting. So we we had three different business plans and we were trying to sort of figure out, okay, are we going to do one of them? Are we going to try to do two of them? Or can we put mm. some of them together? Mm. And um, I called my friend, Scott Dorsey, who had been the, the CEO of a company in the email space called Exact Target, um, probably the most successful company in the email space uh, that got acquired by Salesforce and is now the Salesforce marketing cloud. Um, so Scott and I went uh, back, you know, 20 years uh, of knowing each other pretty well. Our companies had done a lot of business together. He had moved on after he left Salesforce and and, uh, started a firm called High Alpha, which is um, a really interesting company that is both a B2B SaaS venture studio. So they create B2B SaaS companies Mm -hmm. and um, a seed and early stage investment fund for B2B SaaS companies. Okay. So he is super focused with his team on the B2B SaaS space where they have a ton of experience. Um, and um, so I, I called him up and I said, hey, Scott, you know, my my uh, team and I have a few ideas that we've been working on. And I'd love to share them with you. And maybe one of them is interesting for High Alpha to adopt and work with us on, or maybe not, but I would just love to get your feedback on them. So we had this uh, meeting on, on Zoom and this is now... I don't know, February of 2020. So um, uh, I decided not to go to Indianapolis, but not because we were in lockdown mode. It was just easier to, to do it on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, sort of shared these three ideas with him. And he got very excited about all of them, or at least two of them. Um, and then he said, hey, can I share something with you? Um, Hi Alpha in partnership with one of our corporate uh, partners, Silicon Valley Bank, has been working on an idea out of the studio that has a lot in common with your three ideas. So we flipped the screen share around to him and he pitched me on this idea that he had been um, cooking with his team and with Silicon Valley Bank. Mm. And uh, you know, we sort of then turned the screen share off and we said, okay, you know, let's put all of this together. Let's put uh, you know, high alpha Silicon Valley Bank and your concept together with my team, our concept, and with some of our investors from Return Path who, who were preparing to back um, our team. Good. And gotcha. let's go start something, you know, big and bold and take a, uh, you know, a really big swing at a big opportunity with a big team. Uh, so that's what we did. And uh, wow. we got started um, April 1, 2020. April, wow, you know, what what a time to start a business. Congratulations on orchestrating all of that with all those different people. I mean, you had Scott, you had your team, you had former investors that were going to be investors in the new company. That takes a lot of dancing around and yeah, a lot of moving pieces there. Uh, I can only imagine what that was like to put together. You're having lots of conversations. You're trying to get everybody to play in the sandbox together. Great job. I mean, congrats. Okay. How'd you come up with Bolster, by the way? Why Bolster? The name? Yeah. Um, 
I, I love the name. It's I think it's a, I think it's a great one. Yeah. We, we got we have bolster.com. It's a name that rolls off the tongue. You don't have to tell people how to spell it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's I mean, it is what we are doing. We help startups bolster their teams. Like and it. Um, like it. you know we we did a lot of ideation around it and worked with the branding team at High Alpha. It's one of the things they help their companies do, wow. uh, and had lot lots of different words and word combinations that we were playing around with. And uh, one of our co-founders, Ken Takahashi, um, suggested Bolster. I forget what led him to that, but the minute he suggested it, all eight of us were like, "That's it." Let's go. It was a, it was available on GoDaddy. Like the URL was available. We had to we had to buy it, but um, okay. there were a bunch of the ancillaries that were available, and then we we made a deal to buy .com. It wasn't in use, so it wasn't that expensive. But uh, okay, uh, all right. Now's but, a good uh, yeah. time. Now's a good time, probably to give us give us the three minute elevator pitch for Bolster.com. B O L S T E R. Bolster Bolster.com. Spelled just like it sounds. Bolster. For the listeners, so, go for it. Go for it. Bolster. Right, give so, us the give us the the elevator pitch. Uh, so Bolster is a marketplace. It's an online marketplace where we connect CEOs of uh, startups and scale-ups and venture-backed companies of any size with experienced uh, C-level, you know, VP and up-level executive talent uh, to help them uh, scale their leadership teams, uh, scale themselves as leaders, and scale their boards in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as a founder or CEO, you can come into the marketplace uh, and uh, look for executives uh, to join your board, uh, to be a coach or a mentor for you or for someone on your team, okay. uh, or to uh, join you as an on-demand or freelance executive. So you might need an interim CXO for something. Uh, you might uh, need a fractional or part-time CXO for something. Um, you know, maybe you really need a CFO, but you only need one one day a week, or you can only afford one a couple days a month, and and uh, that's a good way to find that kind of person. Uh, maybe you need a, an experienced executive to do a consulting project for you. Um, we're starting to do a little bit of, of full-time placement uh, of executives as well. Uh, but basically, you can, pass, idea, you can just pass those off to Riderplex and full time. <laughs> We're that's not really that's not really that's not really our business. Um, um, Go ahead. Sorry, business I didn't is, mean yeah. No, no, sorry. The uh, the business is really helping early stage companies um, yeah. and founders get the support they need to really scale that business. Uh, you know, while while they're still uh, you know sort of early private company. Um, we have been doing a lot of board of director placements, and some of those have been at, for bigger companies too, even a couple of public companies, um, and. Um, that's the quick pitch. Uh, new, let me, new, way let to, me give, new way to scale ask, your leadership team. Yeah, let me ask you a couple of uh, questions here on the business model. So do you have these? Are you paying these fractional CXOs? <laughs> are you paying them a salary to hang around and wait for the phone call to come in and then send them out? Or how are you doing that? No, they contract with um, the client through the Bolster platform. I uh, see. But they are, they are, you know, people who are either independent contractors or a lot of them have full-time jobs and are just looking for, you know, a, a side hustle. They want to mentor people. They want a board seat. Um, but uh, um, so some, some of the things that they find through us and connect with our clients on aren't, aren't cash paid things like joining a board is an equity thing. Sometimes mentoring someone is either free or, or for equity. Um, so we don't pay them. We are not their employer. Uh, we are a marketplace. Uh, you are a marketplace and, and you make your money because these executives pay you to sign up or how, what's your model? No, how do you get ne- paid? So neither side pays us to join. Uh, we want to make it friction-free to be part of the marketplace. So okay. executives can join for free. Uh, there are a bunch of benefits uh, to them for doing it. It's quick. It's easy. Um, okay. And uh, and we vet them uh, a bit on the way in. So we know there's a high quality of executive in the network. Um it's free for uh, a CEO or a head of HR to set up a client account and to search for talent. Um, okay. It's free for VCs to come in and search for talent on behalf of their portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get paid when someone gets hired. Uh, so like most marketplaces, we mark up a transaction um, and have a fee that's associated with the transaction. Uh, and um, that's, that's so, how we're so if, paid. The, if the, if the CXO, let's say he's a, a chief revenue mm-hmm. officer, if he's charging, 250 bucks an hour for his services. There's a little bit of markup on there for both. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. I like it. I like the model. Um, and the board, the, the advisory board placements. Now, what if that's not a pay? It's just an equity place. So how do you get, how do yeah, you make so, money on that deal? <laughs> so for board of directors placements, we just get paid a one-time fee. Okay. 
All right. Very good. Okay, great. All right. Love it. How many employees so far? I think we're 25, 24, 25, 20. Okay. And do you have, is there a magic exit plan or right now you're just having fun building it? I am never a believer in, in uh, having an exit plan. I think you put your head down, you build a great business. Uh, you make your customers love you. You solve a problem they have. Uh, and uh, good things happen to you on the other side of that. I love that answer. Do you know how many entrepreneurs I've had on this show and we get into this whole fantasy monopoly bullshit whiteboarded plan where it's here's my five-year plan and we, when we hit this we're going to do this and i'm always like okay i just i have never been a fan of that myself so i'm so glad you answered that way it's like just build a good company absolutely do the right things and then you know at some point conversations will happen yeah totally agree love that answer yeah. Okay, very good. All right, I appreciate you giving me the Bolster overview. And, and you know, the people listening to the show here can go to bolster.com. Plus, you can connect with Matt uh, Blumberg on LinkedIn. But now let's let's get into the book. I want to talk about the book. By the way, I got a copy of the book right here. I don't know if everybody All right, there you go. Startup CXO. Startup CXO. Startup, or startup CXO. And Matt was kind enough to send me a copy. I've already got into it. Um, when I was promoted to my first COO job, I wish I... I had this. And when I was promoted to my first president job, pr president of a $40 million company, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I wish I had this handbook. <laughs> that and you, and you should have seen my, my first book too, which I assume, I assume you have, or have seen somewhere, which is startup. Yes. Yeah. Startup yeah. CEO. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I wish I'm reading this, Matt, you know, and I went through it. I want, I want you to give the overview, obviously, but I just want to tell the listeners, I love how it's put together. You know, it's, it's like a handbook that you can just reference. Like if you're a CEO, can go in here and go damn you know okay i need to hire a cfo i've never hired a cfo what the hell do i do what do i look for what do i need i just go to the cfo section right or if i am a cfo and i'm wondering how i should work better with my cro or whatever it, you can reference it right so it's great for each functional leader uh at the c level not just the ceo i love the way it's put together i really mean that by the way i, I don't just give casual recommendations on the right of flex podcast like if it's if, if somebody comes on the show and i don't like it i usually tell them <laughs> so i really like it i love the way it's put together I, I i like your your little summaries at the end of each section um it is a very good handbook and i'm and i mean that to the listeners when i was first promoted to my first president role of a 40 million dollar company in 2008 when the company was in a free fall and i had to find a million dollars in cash in about 30 days or we were going to miss payroll I, I remember coming home to my wife saying, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't even know why I even got this job. <laughs> so anyway, the handbook is, I love the way it's put together, but go ahead. I want you to give your overview and talk about it. Go for it. Yeah. Well, uh, so the story actually starts with the first book, Startup CEO. And, um, you know, also a handbook for CEO. Uh, it is a book that um, uh, there's this great quote from Toni Morrison um, who said something to the effect of, if there's a book you want to read and you can't find it, you should write it. Mm. I actually think the quote is you must write it. Mm. Mm. And that was what mm. startup CEO was. Um, okay. I really wished someone had handed me an right. instruction manual of how to be a CEO. <laughs> um, and that's what startup CEO was intended to be, right? 65 chapters of, <clears throat> of reference, how to do this, how to do that. Um, and when we, when, when I finished startup CEO, um, I had the, the idea for startup CXO, but then it took seven years to actually get to it. Um, and the idea was, Hey, we did this, I did this for CEOs. Um, it'd be great to do it for everybody on an executive team, Love put it. it all in one book Love and it. have multiple audiences for multiple purposes. So I'm not going to get into that because you actually uh, articulated that perfectly as you were talking about the book. But the, the startup CXO was uh, conceived by me, but written by a, a whole bunch of people. So right. I wrote pieces of it, um, but uh, each section was written by a practitioner of that function, mm -hmm. someone who worked on the team, the leadership team at Return Path, um, and many of them are, are co-founders of Bolster as well. Um, although all of them have you know 20 plus year careers of, of leading their function at multiple companies, not just uh, you know together at Return Path or or at Bolster. So um, it's uh, uh, you know it's a product we're really really proud of, and it, it the reason we decided to do it, um, and we actually spent a lot of time the first three months of Bolster doing the book. I see. Um, even the people who were 
return path people, but not working at Bolster, I kind of roped them into to doing it at the same time. Um, it's very, very closely connected to the work that we're doing at Bolster. Obviously, we place CXOs, right. uh, and um, you know, we talk about ourselves as being a great resource for leadership teams as they think about scaling. So um, it is, uh, you know, sort of de- deeply connected to the work that we're we're doing at Bolster, and uh, we're very excited about it. So you were working on it at Bolster, and can I ask you this? A little, a little question here was: Is this? Is this ran through Bolster? Is the are the profits from this running through? Is this yes. a separate entity? This Bol- Bolster owns this book. Okay, great. Got yeah. it. All right. All right. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. Uh, very we're good. very very cognizant of uh, intellectual property and work for hire, and uh, this is this is property of Bolster. Okay, I, I love it. By the way, the listeners uh, can find it on Amazon and what everywhere else you can buy a book. Basically. Yep. Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm staring at it on Amazon right now, by the way. It's already got like, what, a four and a half, almost five-star rating, almost a five-star perfect rating. Somebody didn't give you a five-star. Jesus. I just hate that. It's like not, somebody. It's, it's not, it's not going to be for everyone, but it is a good resource. <laughs> and uh, um, we're very excited about it. And I'll tell you, one of the things we're, we're um, one of the use cases uh, that you didn't mention that we were also really proud of, we think it's great for CEOs. We think it's great for a CXO. Um, but uh, hopefully it, it helps people earlier in their careers. Um, if they think they want to lead yes. the function that they're in, yes. um, think about how to career path themselves over time. So, you know, if you're a marketing coordinator and you're working on, you know, SEO or you're, you know, a field marketing person doing events and you think you want to be a CMO in five or 10 years, the CMO section should give you a roadmap. I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. Unless you work for a Fortune 500 company, and even in that case, it's not every time, but unless you work for Fortune 500, if you're working in a small to medium-sized company and you're promoted to the C-level, I can almost guarantee you that you didn't have a checklist. There was no training program. There was no training checklist. Nobody told you how the job's supposed to go. <laughs> perfect book. Perfect book for any of those, those people uh, listening to the show. And just like you said, even at the VP level, when you're getting ready to get promoted or you're trying to get promoted. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Congratulations on launching it. When, when did it launch, by the way? Uh, beginning of June. Beginning of June. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you already have another book planned? Yes, there's a, there's one more that we're working on uh, that will probably come out in early uh, 2022. Maybe we'll sneak it into the end of this year. Um, so uh, uh, it's a book called Startup Boards. So okay. uh, if you think about sort of our construct at, at Bolster, um, you know, CEO, CXO, and board. Um, those are the three books. Uh, so, you know, it sort of fits well with everything. Um, one of my uh, good friends and, and uh, longtime investors and board members um, is a guy named Brad Feld from Foundry Group oh, yeah. uh, out there yep. in Colorado. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brad wrote a book called Startup Boards uh, six or seven, seven years ago with another venture capitalist named um, Mahendra Ramsangani from the Bay Area. And I had a lot of contributions to that book, um, uh, like a lot of tech text boxes and sidebars and things, but I was not an author of it. Um, I uh, raised the idea with the two of them about doing a second edition of the book um, with all three of us as co-authors and really freshening it up. Um, I had written a lot more content about um, boards since then because board searches is something we do uh, a lot of at Bolster. Um, We did this huge uh, diversity study uh, to uh, benchmark private board uh, diversity and compensation and things like that. So we have a lot of fresh content, fresh data to put into the mix. So the three of us are co-authors of that. uh, And um, uh, that's going to be a really good product as well. And that'll come out end of the year, beginning of next year. How are you finding, you got three teenagers at home, plus you're running a company and you're writing books. I mean, do you ever take any time off? (laughs) I got a, I got wonderful people working with me on everything. So it's not, it's not a one man, nothing is a one man show. Do you have any hobbies on the side? You probably don't have time. Do you do anything like besides work? What do you do? <laughs> uh, I spend a lot of time with my kids. Uh, I coach my son's travel baseball team and actually run our, our town's travel baseball program. What? Uh, I, uh, uh, I do a lot of exercise. Uh, I try to uh, play golf once in a while. Wow. Try to play guitar once in a while. So. What do you ever just, are you ever sitting on the couch still for five minutes? <laughs> that's, that's a subject of a lot of uh, conversation in this house. Uh, I, I do, I do sometimes, but probably not quite enough. <laughs> My wife says that to me. She'll be like, will you just sit down? I'm like, I don't, I can't really, I don't, I don't. 
Uh, before you go, really, uh, Matt, if you don't mind, we got a couple of minutes left here. Before you go, I want to ask you, switching gears just for a minute, some hot, some 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 sensitive topics. I want to see what you're what you're comfortable commenting on. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of things really quick because I think, and here's the reason: I think a lot of CEOs are faced with these things that I'm that I, that I want to ask you. You know, kind of hot topics right now. A lot of CEOs trying to make decisions. A lot of a lot of CXO teams trying to make the right decisions here. Let's talk about this one. You know, the whole the whole vaccination masks requirement for employees that has become a, a new topic now for us as a recruiting firm at Rider Flex because now some of our clients are starting to say, "Hey, tell the candidates they got to do this," and then then we're trying to relate to the candidates, and some candidates are for it, some candidates are pissed off, and you know whatever. So it's a <laughs> it's a hot topic. What advice would you give a CEO right now trying to deal with decisions around employees as it relates to vaccinations and masks? Any comments from you? First of all, um, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that public health has become politicized. Right. Uh, and um, uh, and I, I have to say, I'm sort of grateful that I'm running a small company that doesn't have any offices right now. Because uh, I don't, I don't have to navigate this problem myself. Yeah. I, you know, if I did have to navigate this problem, I would, um, I would probably require that uh, employees either um, wear a mask or, or prove that they've been vaccinated, okay. uh, in order to come into the office. And if they don't want to do those two things, they they can work from home. Like, and so you'd leave it open for them to work from home. Okay. I think so. I mean, look, I think the world has learned over the last 16 months that uh, people can work really effectively from home and that you can have hybrid. You can have some people here, some people there and 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 still work well together. So um, I think there's some, you know, there's some pluses and minuses of that. But I think that's the, the way the the way of the future. OK, let me ask you a couple more. There's a couple more sensitive ones. I want to get you on. I want to get you to speak on uh -oh. these. <laughs> what about. Uh, CEOs who like to speak out on social media on hot topics and take mm. sides. <laughs> what about the whole, I mean, let me, let me kind of phrase this just a little, let me kind of picture or paint this picture, whatever topic it is, right? We don't even have to pick a specific topic, but whatever the hot topic is, some CEOs like to take a side, right? They like yeah. to they like to pick a tribe, this whole tribalism, like, Oh, everybody's got to pick a tribe. They all got, I like blue or I like green. If you like green, you don't like blue, then you're an evil person or whatever. And so a lot of CEOs speaking out on social media and, and taking sides, picking a tribe on hot topics. Should they be doing that? What are your thoughts on that topic? I think it's a really interesting topic. I've written a couple of blog posts about it on um, startupceo.com, which is my blog. Okay. Uh, and my thinking on this has evolved a little bit over time. Um, I used to be of the opinion that, um, that you shouldn't. Like CEO should really should have no business speaking out on, um, you know, on, on topics like that, unless it was something directly related to the business. So you want to talk about tax policy, you want to talk about uh, uh, regulation, especially if you're in a regulated industry, like, yeah. amen, you should speak out on that. But okay. that your position as the CEO really on, should only be something that's, uh, you know, for the good of the business. Okay. My thinking on that has evolved a, a little bit. I wouldn't say it's evolved dramatically. Um, I, uh, you know, I still think CEOs get into, can get into a lot of trouble if they take strong positions on, um, you know, on, on politically charged or sensitive issues by and large. And, you know, as the CEO, like you're the representative of your shareholders, your customers, your employees, like you got a lot of different viewpoints uh, exactly. that you're trying to manage and that it, it doesn't serve the business well necessarily to politicize uh, the business. Different people have a different point of view about that. That's that's fine. I respect that. But that's that's always been my point of view, um, and that was my point of view until probably January seventh. Okay. Why that day? Uh, what happened on that day? Well, it's what happened on January sixth that was really a problem. Uh, okay. And um, I, you know, I, I think um, I have added to my list of things. Um, that matter to a business, not just tax policy and regulatory policy, but the health and functioning of our democracy. Mm. And I think that is one of the critical underpinnings of successful business in America. And one of the reasons why America generally leads the world in business. Um, and the, 
um, attacks on democracy, um, whether it's uh, you know what actually happened on January sixth, um, whether it's uh, the you know the nonsense about uh, the election being rigged, uh, mm -hmm. or whether it's um, some I won't say all, but some of the legislation floating around all of these states that starts driving toward partisan administration of elections. Um, and maybe some of them that, uh, that get into um, restricted access to voting, or at least not expanding access to voting, those mm -hmm. things worry me. And they worry me for the health of the country and for the health of our, not just our economy, but for the health of American competitiveness in the world. Does censorship uh, or cancel, cancel culture worry you at all? Um, yes, but yes. But there's, but there, there's, you know, can, cancel culture itself is a charged term. Yeah. So does actual censorship worry me? Yes. Does it worry me? Meaning like government coming in and shutting down newspapers, et cetera. Yes. Does it worry me that some publisher decided not to publish Josh Hawley's book? Not at all. Okay. Gotcha. All that's, right. that's, you know, that's a for-profit company. They're welcome to make decisions about who they do business with and why. Okay. All right. I know it's a, it's a tough one, right? It's a tough yeah. one for me. I, I, I'm i on the fence on this myself personally. I think to myself. Oh, I don't, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a, there, there are all sorts of nuance to this issue. Yeah. 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 I always tell people, I'm like, look, here's the deal. Um, do I think private companies reserve the right to kind of do what they want? And, you know, if, if Google and YouTube and Facebook want to turn somebody off, yeah, like, I guess they, I guess they can. I, I think it's a little bit scary. I think that, I think that's a lot of power to just, especially if a company is wrapped up into Google, let's say your entire business model is a YouTube channel or product and you're on Google. And if they just turn you off, your business is underwater. I think that's a little scary. I think I think that's a slippery slope. However, when I start thinking that that's a slippery slope and that I don't like it and maybe we should do something about that, then I turn right around and say, well, I don't want the government telling me what to do with RiderFlex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so it's a tough one. It's yeah. a tough one. Um, I know there's a lot of these things that are coming up for CEOs. I, I uh, There's a lot of challenges like this and a lot of topics like this for CEOs these days, these days that I think are that I think are challenging. You might want to, maybe, maybe you should include some of these, these hot topics in your next book. <laughs> <laughs>